Hello, and welcome to the e-commerce evolution podcast, where we bring you the best of what's new and what's next in e-commerce. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And our mission with this show is to interview the top merchants, the top marketers, and the experts shaping the e-commerce industry. This episode of the e-commerce evolution podcast is brought to you by Zipify and their flagship app, Zipify Pages. Zipify Pages is an e-commerce sales funnel and landing page builder that seamlessly integrates into your Shopify store. Just start with one of a growing list of templates and then customize and go. These templates are created by my friend and eight-figure e-commerce store owner, Ezra Firestone. Each template is built with proven conversion elements, but also features a simple drag and drop editor. So you can truly make these pages your own. So you can customize and tweak and test and create some awesome landing pages and sales funnels. So check out all the details, sign up for the beta at zipify.com. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, and this is where we talk about what's new and what's next in e-commerce. My guest today is Nathan Hirsch. He is the founder of Portlight, an Amazon seller, reseller, and then also FreeUp, which is a marketplace for finding remote workers and, and remote employees, all aimed at the e-commerce industry. And so I love my interview with Nathan. We dig into kind of the first part of the interview is Amazon focused. And so we talk about Amazon changes and shifts and, and things that you need to do differently because of those shifts. We talk about how he got started and textbooks and then baby products. And we talk about, you know, some mistakes you should avoid and some things, some trends and things you should be considering moving forward. We talk about some Amazon ads and, and just several things that I think will be very helpful that if you're already selling on Amazon can help you, or if you're looking at expanding and selling on Amazon, that part of the interview will really help you. And then we wrap up by talking about building a team. And I'm a huge believer in building a great team and having the right processes. So we talk about vetting. We talk about killer interview questions. We talk about how to get the right people because a, a bad hire is so expensive and can slow you down and really mess you up. And so lots of great tips for how to build that team. And so with that, I hope you enjoy my interview with Nathan Hirsch. My guest today is Nathan Hirsch of Free Up and Portlight. So excited to dive into this interview. Nathan, thanks for joining us. And how's it going, man? Going well, Brett. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really glad to be chatting. We, we've got some good stuff we're diving into today. Going to talk Amazon, which is uh, a favorite topic of everybody in e-commerce for very obvious reasons. Also going to talk about outsourcing and hiring remote workers and managing remote teams which uh, many of us deal with, uh, OMG included, we have some remote employees. And so managing remote uh, team members creates some unique challenges, but, but also some pretty amazing benefits. We're going to dive into that as well. So this thing is going to be packed. Uh, but Nathan, let, let's start with Amazon. And, and if you would, just give everybody a, a quick background. How did you get into the Amazon business? Any interesting notes you want to share about prior to that? And just talk about how you how you launched your Amazon business because it's become quite large, and I want to I want to get into that as well. So your your brief background, if you would. Sure. So I started off as a broke college student looking for extra beer money. 
money. Um, nice. I got pretty angry that the bookstore was ripping me off. I was paying hundreds of dollars for textbooks, getting selling them back for pennies on the dollar. Um, so I set up my own textbook business to compete with the school bookstore, um, which they weren't that happy about. But before I knew it, I had lines out my door of people trying to sell me their books. So I would hold on to the books, sell them at the beginning of next semester, make a profit. So I sold the books to different bookstores and it eventually led me to Amazon. And once I found Amazon, I just became totally addicted. I thought it was really cool. Um, they were right at that point where they were getting away from just doing books and selling other products like home goods and baby products. And so there weren't a hundred sellers on every listing. It was me and a few other people. And, and what, and what year was this, Nathan, when you, when you first kind of identified, whoa, Amazon can be huge around when was that? It was between the two, around 2009. Okay, great. So yeah, that was early on. Yeah. And so I started thinking about how I could start an Amazon business. I didn't want to sell textbooks forever. I knew at some point I was going to graduate college and not have access to it. And maybe books would be obsolete anyway, if we all moved to Kindle, which hasn't exactly happened. Um, and so I wanted another way. And I came up with the idea one day of, of drop shipping before I knew what drop shipping was. I actually didn't even know it was called drop shipping until years later of where I would find products online, list them, even though I didn't have them, and then ship them from the vendor, the distributor, the supplier to my end customer and make whatever the difference was as my margin. And I started doing trial and error and experimenting everything from DVDs to outdoor products. And um, eventually I realized that I was really good at selling baby products. <laughs> and so- Interesting. I know, it made no sense. So I remember being in class one day and I was sitting in the back just list listing baby products on Amazon and I got weird looks from this girl right next to me. Um, but it was pretty, <laughs> it was pretty funny. So before I knew it, I was running a multi-million dollar Amazon dropshipping business out of my college dorm room, um, hiring people, making every good and bad decision that entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs make. Um, and it really accelerated from there to when I graduated, I decided to be an entrepreneur instead of just going out and getting a real job. I ended up opening an office and, and hiring full-time staff. I originally, I eventually got rid of that and went entirely remote, um, but continued to grow this dropshipping business to sell home goods, baby products, toys, um, and, and stuff like that. It's really interesting. You know, I, I could see that going a couple of different ways. It, it's either girls in class see you checking out baby products and think you're either strange uh, or, you know, the RDF kids or something, or you could really leverage it to your advantage of saying, hey, I, I'm in touch with my sensitive side, and I've got a multi-million dollar business. I, I could see you using that to your advantage potentially. Yeah. So it's funny. One of my, the mistakes I made as a young entrepreneur, which I think a lot of people make is I was like, all right, I'm having a lot of success. I found this thing that's like top secret. I don't want anyone to know what I'm doing. I just want to keep it all for myself. So right. everyone knew I was like running this company, but I didn't really tell anyone what it was or how I was doing it. So it just made it even more sketchy. Um, and then I, like, even my employees, like I would only teach them what they had to know to do their job, um, which was a huge mistake on my part. And I realized years later that they can actually, actually contribute more and help me grow my business as they know what's going on at all parts of the company. Yeah. You know, what's interesting. And, and I, I kind of went through something similar in my entrepreneurial career and, and I launched my first agency right out of college. And I think we, we have this misconception that because we want to build something and because we want to step out there and be an entrepreneur and, and, and grow sales and take risks and do all this stuff, that if other people saw what we were doing, they'd want to do it too. Uh, and, and while 
obviously there is true. There are competitors. A lot of people don't want to do what we're doing. They, they would rather just be a part of something or, or work for someone. And so I, I think, yeah, a, a lot of times we're, we're needlessly too cautious to our own detriment. And I fully agree. You know, now we try to be as transparent as possible with our team and showing, okay, this is where we want to go. And this is even, this is like how profitable we were worth. We were first quarter. Um, let's, if we push to get this profitable, this is what we can do for everybody and, and getting everyone bought in just so much, so many more benefits, uh, because it's not just your brain power now, you know, solving problems. It's, it's the whole team. So that's, um, that's really interesting. Well, Hey, what I'd love to do. So man, 2009, that was, that was just as the Amazon marketplace was kind of getting fired up. What are, what are some of the biggest changes you've seen since then? And, And I'm sure it's a ton of them, but but some of the biggest changes in the way Amazon functions that directly impact how you run your Amazon business now? Yeah, so they've definitely made it harder and harder for drop shippers. Um, I mean, I, I have, I've never been an FBA guy. I do it a little bit for returns. A lot of my clients do, do FBA, so I'm familiar with it, but I've never sold it um, myself on a high level. Um, and the thing with drop shipping is you have to be very aware of your metrics on Amazon. Um, and back when I started, it was like two or three metrics. It was like, you can't have defects on more than 1% of your orders. You can't cancel um, more than 2.5%. Um, and that was really it. And as long as you did that, you were good to go. And every year they would just add more and more. Okay. Now there's a late shipment rate. Okay. Now there's a valid tracking rate. Okay. Now there's a um, customer response time. And so they just make it harder and harder for businesses that are just not using um, their FBA, which handles 99% of it. Um, for them. But there's also pros and cons to doing that, right? Because if you do FBA, you have to buy a lot of inventory up front. Whereas with my dropshipping business, I'm not buying anything um, unless I've already sold it. So I want to stick with my dropship model while continuing to give in to Amazon's demands when it comes to metrics to keep my account safe. Gotcha. So if someone were building an Amazon business today, would you advise them to look at going the FBA route or following your footsteps and look at drop shipping or does it just totally depend? So drop shipping is a great business model, but you're hundred percent relying on your supplier, wherever you're getting the products. If you, if your supplier is on point, if they know how to um, estimate shipping times and ship stuff on time and, and make their products so they don't have de- defects and package them so they don't break um, and they communicate well with you and they send you tracking numbers, Awesome. You can make a lot of money drop shipping, but you're responsible for your Amazon account. You're responsible for your metrics. Amazon doesn't want to hear that. Hey, my supplier messed up. So if you have that on point relationship and you can vet your suppliers to make sure they do it and can follow Amazon's policies, it's great. Other than that, it's, it's too risky and you, you really should go more of that FBA model. Right. Because you get, you get a bad supplier, someone who's not uh, holding up their end of the, the bargain, it all comes back on you. Um, and, and then you're running risk of, of account suspensions and, and issues like that, that, that are just really hard to overcome. Correct. Exactly. And the cool thing about FBA is there's so many experts out there. I'm talking real experts that can help you run PPC campaign and optimize your listings and analyze your competition. And you can hire Chinese sorcerers where as even five years ago, a lot of it, you were kind of figuring out yourself and it would cost you a lot of money before you could get it right. Um, so a lot of sellers now, yes, there's a lot more competition, but there's so much more knowledge out there and people there to help you along the way that you really find yourself just stuck without any direction to turn to. Yeah. And I think there's also benefits too. you know, if you're using FBA, then you can qualify for prime. And, and I've heard multiple people say that when you are prime eligible and we've seen it with our clients as well, you know, often lifts of 20, 30% or more 
in terms of conversions uh, just by by having that uh, that prime eligibility. Absolutely. So, what what are some of the the big mistakes you see right now that that Amazon sellers are making that that are needlessly holding them back from being as successful as they could be? The biggest thing I see people making is they won't take the time to invest in the Amazon's pay-per-click and really spend the money and time that it takes to get it to a good level. People always want fast results. So they'll have two bad weeks and they'll throw away a little advertising money, which is really good trial and error on the business sense. And they'll just cut it off. Um, whereas I've had clients that they'll start off, they might have a bad month or two. I know we just came out with some new products on my store and we're running PPC and it's just all testing. We have no expectations, but within a few months, we expect to have really good results and be able to take our sales to the next level. So a lot of people, they get impatient. They're, they're seeing that they're not getting those sales right away. They also don't realize that busy season is always around the corner and that's when you're going to get the majority of your sales anyway. And if you can have your PPC campaign strong going into the fourth quarter, you're going to have a very successful year regardless of how the rest of it was. So I'm um, just getting a little impatient. It is a long-term game. Amazon is constantly changing its algorithms. Um, you can hire, you want to hire people that are up to date, people that'll, um, that'll learn the new stuff that's coming out, that'll read the forums, read the blogs. You should be doing it yourself. Um, and, and really thinking of it as a long-term play um, to help drive traffic to your listings. Yeah, I, I fully agree. And, and we, we offer service. We manage sponsored product ads. We, we've got a, a team dedicated to that uh, on staff. They do a phenomenal job. I'm more plugged into the day-to-day of the Google side of our business, but I, I definitely watch and pay attention to Amazon and I love it. Um, excited about uh, learning and, and experiencing more there. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I think people forget is they forget how good we have it now in terms of our ability to measure and quantify and see what's working and what's not. You know, I got my start as an entrepreneur. I, I built an agency right out of college. And so this was early 2000s and doing uh, TV and radio primarily. And, you know, even if you were really good and, and you know, you had a physical store and you, and you grilled your people and made them ask people, you know, what brought you in the day? Where did you hear about us? It was still so much a shot in the dark compared to anything digital marketing in terms of the ability to track and measure. And so uh, I, I fully get what you're saying. Some people are just unwilling to make that investment of saying, hey, the first month or two, this is a budget to learn. This is a budget to figure out what is going to work and what's not going to work. This is not I need a, a 300% return on my ad spend in month one. Like that, that can happen, but it's often short-sighted. If you get that, you're probably not pushing the envelope enough. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah fully agree. You got to You got to invest in learning. You, you got to watch the metrics, and you got to be committed to this. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent agree. And the other thing is just a lot of people they'll have like eight products, right? And they have one product that for whatever reason they're very passionate about, but they're not listening to what the market says. They're having success with the other ones. And instead of focusing on the other ones and pivoting, kind of like I never thought I was going to sell baby products. I really thought I was going to sell more <laughs> yeah. DVDs and more, I guess, manlier manly stuff. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but I kind of listened to the market and I, I pointed my money and my time and my effort into what the market was telling me. Yeah. It's so interesting. I, I, uh, you reminded me of a story. I had a, a client, they worked with for a long time, great people. They sell, they sold um, how to crochet, how to knit and, and patterns and stuff like that. There's two dudes that run the, ran the business and they were like, we, we don't understand crocheting or knitting at all. Um, so, <laughs> so they do. But what's interesting about that is it just forced them to watch the numbers. Like they had to just, they had to understand the market 
based on the numbers. And so it created this interesting scenario where actually I think it gave them a little bit of an advantage, at least in some ways, where they weren't making decisions based on emotion or based on, oh, these are the, like, we feel like these are the hot patterns and hot style. It was all about the numbers because they didn't have a clue, which, which was pretty interesting. So yeah, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. So any, anything else that you see, uh, Amazon sellers doing now that you'd say, whoa, 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 uh, that don't go that route, try this instead. Um, so I encourage people to kind of look at their Amazon business as more of an, more than just Amazon business. You mentioned Google ads. Um, a lot of my most successful clients have been pushing traffic to their Amazon listings outside of Amazon, whether it's Facebook ads, Google ads, their blog, um, whatever it is. I know you can't do the reviews anymore, um, but there's plenty of other ways to just drive traffic to your listings. And even if you don't have a huge budget for it, just start somewhere, create a social media page, just start building little by little and every month invest more into it. And then down the line, when you have a bigger budget, you have all that framework ready to go and you don't have to start from scratch. Yeah, I love it. And, and it's so interesting. You know, we, we work with a lot of established e-commerce companies. And, you know, one of the things that we're seeing, and, and this has been published and we talk about this a lot because we're, we're Google shopping people. That, that's one of our specialties. You know, more product searches begin on Amazon than, than even on, on Google now. And I've seen some recent statistics that show that you know, it's north of 50% of product related searches begin on, on Amazon. So we've seen with some larger clients to do big product launches. So uh, maybe we're doing a YouTube campaign, Facebook video campaign, Facebook campaign, um, to, you know, uh, image campaign or whatever, uh, that you have to be prepared for what that's going to do both to your search and to Amazon search. Um, recent client in the outdoor space did a huge, relaunch and and man i'm so glad we we kind of followed our systems and got our amazon and had our amazon ads in place because this product just blew up on amazon even more than it did uh, on on google so yeah i, I love that i think you, you know there there's so there's so much value to amazon i mean they've got so many users and growing all the time and they're gaining re, uh, market share at a, at a scary pace but you still can't just put something up there and, and hope right you know you gotta you gotta send traffic to it and, and, and get things optimized as best as you can and, and do your part to grow. So, um, you, you mentioned reviews. Let's talk about that a little bit. So, um, how would you recommend people get product reviews? Because so important, but, but, but Amazon's kind of shifted their policy on that a little bit. How do you recommend people get reviews now? Yeah. So it's funny. I've never really launched a private label product myself, so I don't have direct experience doing it. Um, I know a lot of my consultants have their own way and it usually goes into outside traffic, um, and blog posts and stuff like that. Um, but I definitely don't pretend to be an expert with it and I've never had to really manipulate the system. Um, so for me, it's more just about making my clients aware of the Amazon policies and kind of letting my um, consultants that do focus on the digital marketing and, and the outside Amazon factors um, do their thing. Yeah. And one of the, one of the best pieces of advice that I've seen and, and seen this work in practice is, you know, obviously it's good to ask, you want to ask for reviews, but, but even just reaching out to a customer and saying, Hey, making sure that everything's good with the product, making sure it was easy to set up, easy to use, checking to see if you had any questions, checking to make sure you're good. Taking that step of just offering amazing customer service will often lead to product reviews naturally. So you might not even have to ask after you do that. Absolutely. I mean, it's the same thing with free up or anyone starting um, their own company. Your first, what, a hundred clients are so important. You need to make sure they're taken care of, that you're happy that, I mean, you're as a new business owner, you're probably going to make some mistakes that, that you make 
and right and that you make sure at the end of the day that clients going to have good things to say about you online and telling other people. And if you don't do that, um, it's going to be very tough to get your business off the ground and selling products on Amazon is no different. When you do get that sale, make sure that experience goes well. Make sure you follow up with them and, and do everything you can to get that positive review. Yeah. And I think that's another potential mistake that people make is they, they could treat each customer into transactional uh, of a fashion. And so let, let's just say you're selling a product or a few products that there's not a lot of repeat purchases on. I, I, I still think you can make the mistake of saying, ah, I just made 20 bucks or 25 bucks on this order. I can't, I can't take the time to follow up and do all the things that, that maybe I, I uh, you know, that, that other people advise as far as customer service goes, because I only made 20 bucks on this order, but it, especially the beginning ones are so much more important than it's, it's way more than just an order. This is like the foundation for your business and, and it's going to, lead to better rankings and better sales overall. And, and so I, I think, you know, that that's maybe higher level, more general, but, but treating being too transactional rather than thinking long-term and building a business and building clients. I think that's another mistake that, that, um, business owners make for sure. So, uh, what are some, what are some trends you're seeing on, on Amazon? Like what, what do you think are some of the things on the horizon that, that could, potentially change the Amazon game. Yeah, it's it's tough to predict the future. You can never see what what Amazon's going to do. They can and come the future up almost comes up, and then the future like gets here tomorrow with Amazon. You know, they, they have an idea, and it's like they're rolling it out um, in mass. One of the biggest things that I see them doing is more in the holiday season to restrict sellers. I think they've they've learned that the holiday season is their bread and butter. Um, they've seen people mess it up for them by providing poor products or poor customer experience, and every year they've made it harder and harder. So I kind of see that trend continue and really affecting FBA um, more than it ever has. And, and I could be totally wrong. Um, before they made it so, hey, dropshippers, you have to um, follow all these rules. And if you're FBA, you're okay. Um, but I've kind of seen trends that they're going to make it so, okay, yeah, you're okay if you continue to provide this top-level customer service and even more than that during the holiday season. How, how do you teach people to view Amazon and and? I know your perspective is a little different because your business is primarily built on, on Amazon. But, you know, as we talk to different merchants, we hear different perspectives from, you know, Amazon's our, our largest channel to Amazon is our, our greatest competition and greatest threat to Amazon as a frenemy. You know, how, how do you, how do you think people should view Amazon with trepidation, with excitement? To me, you have to review it as one revenue stream. If you want to build a real company, you can't have it 100% relying on Amazon. I, I strongly encourage people to, even if it's small, open up an eBay store, um, start your own website, start driving traffic in other places, and you can still have a booming Amazon business. But I've, I do a lot with Amazon suspension appeals, and I've helped a lot of people get unsuspended. And I mean, you have people who have spent hours and hours and years of their life putting it all into this Amazon business. And the next day it could be gone because Amazon suspends you because they broke one policy. So you really want to protect yourself and build, and look at it as just one source of revenue and not your entire business. Fully agree. Yeah. Love it. Got to diversify. Got to look at other channels. Totally makes sense. Well, let's talk about team building just a little bit. When, when did you first realize Dude, like, because you, know, you had a business partner, so you know, just you and your business partner uh, becoming experts at baby products in your college dorm. When did you first realize, man, we, we got to hire a team? Yeah, so I remember I had a meeting with my accountant for the first time, and we were just going over stuff. 
And he was like, so when are you hiring your first employee? And I was like, why would I do that? That's a waste of money. The money that's going to go into my pocket. I love working. I can do this all day, every day, the rest of my life. And he just laughed in my face. Um, and so I, I kind of took that advice that he'd given me that day and started to realize or figure out what I didn't like doing. I, I didn't want to answer customer service emails, which you do a lot with drop shipping. Um, so I remember hiring a few different customer service people and um, finally got getting one that I could trust that would stick. And just that first day of not having to wake up and worry about what angry email in my inbox was, was incredible. And that was really the first thing I took off my plate. Nice. So, so how did you start making those initial hires? Were you Craigslist? Were you just talking around, getting the word out on, on campus? How, how are you making those initial hires? Yeah, it was all on campus. So it was pretty much, you need a job. I have a job. <laughs> um, I didn't have a great interview process at first. Um, Connor was my business partner. He was one of my first hires. That was complete luck. He messaged me one day on Facebook Messenger when I was in class asking for a job and ended up working out really well. Um, but I had others that didn't. And it kind of took a lot of um, learning from bad hires to realize what I was looking for. For example, I wanted people that were workaholics, that needed the money, that weren't just on, weren't just playing with their parents' money and looking for something fun to do on the side. Right. We wanted someone that was committed and really needed this job and needed to perform and keep the job. Um, so once we realized that, then we started creating better and better vetting to really identify what we were looking for. And then when we graduated college, we kind of got access to all the people in Orlando rather than all the people around or on the campus. And what we quickly realized about now that is you're competing with all the other businesses around you. You're also kind of limited to what talent you have access to. And that's when we learned about remote workers from a buddy of mine on my softball team um, told us about Upwork, which was Odesk at the time, which I thought was the greatest thing ever. And I became de determined to build an Odesk army. Nice. Nice. Let's talk a little bit about that vetting process. Cause I think this is kind of the bane of, of most entrepreneurs existence is you know, you go through the interview process, you look at resumes, you check references or, you know, probably truth be told, you don't check references, uh, but you look to see that they have references and then you do the interview and you think, oh, this person's great. They interview so well, they're charming. They say all the right things. Okay. They're hired. Um, what are, are some tips that, that you have for that vetting process to see, okay, we just want the people that are hungry, the people that are going to put in the time and that, that they need this job to make, you know, make ends meet or, or, you know, they're going to become workaholics or borderline workaholics versus the person that's just punching the clock and dying to get out of there, you know, by five or before. It's so funny. I've hired people with um, awesome references. They've gotten great reviews and they've ended up being terrible hires. And I've actually had someone that um, he failed his reference checks and I just needed someone for busy season. And we hired him just because we didn't have a choice. And he's worked with me for over five years and he's been an awesome hire. <laughs> so you kind of never really know what you're going to get. For us on the um, vetting process for free up, especially because we, we get a lot of applicants and we only take 1% and add them to our network. We're looking for three things. We're looking for someone that has a lot of skills, someone we're not looking for newbies. We want a track record success with big businesses. Um, we're looking for attitude, those workaholics, the people that care a lot more than just the paycheck. And then we're also looking for communication, especially when you're dealing with people all over the world. Um, I don't want to have to chase you down. I want proper notice. I want you to be able to give me good estimates. If yeah, I don't care how talented you are, if you can't communicate with me and communicate with my clients and my assistants at a high level, it's never going to work out. Yeah. Um, what's interesting, you know, we, uh, what we found in our business is a lot of times the people that interview the best, they're, that just means they're, they're social. They're, they're good. They have social skills. They're good at, at meetings and reading people and, and 
They're just sociable. Whereas sometimes your best workers, depending on the, on the type of thing you need them to do, maybe don't interview that well because they're the type that just, they just get in and get to work. They don't want to talk about it endlessly. They just want to get in and, and get to work. And, and so we've started using some tools, some personality profile tools and assessments and things like that, that have, that have definitely helped. And, and we've also found that if, if you can give someone a task, so, you know, if I'm hiring a paid search manager, let's say we had this happen one time where someone worked at some other agencies and we thought, oh, agencies, references, like you've been, the person was in, in AdWords for something like five years. And then when they got in and started working, we were blown away at how little they knew. And, and so, you know, started implementing tests and checks and, okay, hey, here's this account. What would you do to, to improve it? You know, really uh, starting to kind of test them before we, uh, we hire but let's let's talk about let's talk about about free up. So we got we got free up, which uh, has an extra e in it. So fr triple e up dot com. So you guys you, you started free up. I'd love to hear the, the story of that and and why free up when you know Odesk or which is now Upwork, but when Upwork already exists and you're already using Upwork, why build free up? Sure. So I remember it must have been around year five or six of, the, of my Amazon business when I was just. Um, spending 50% of my time in the interview room, just going through applications, interviewing people multiple rounds. And then I would spend all that time just to have them quit or realize they weren't that good um, and really developing this really good interview process over time. But it, but it did take up a lot of my time and it was frustrating. And I mean, right now you're right. You can go on Upwork and the other job boards and that's where they are. They're job boards. You go in, you post a job, you get a hundred applicants, you interview them one by one. It takes forever and you still don't really know what you're going to get until they start. So I really wanted a better way. So at FreeUp, we do it differently. We get hundreds of applicants every week to get into our network. We have a great vetting process, great interview process based on my eight plus years of hiring. We have 15 pages of communication guidelines our workers have to memorize and get tested on because I mentioned how important communication is. And we take the top 1% and add them to our network. So our clients love it because it's free to sign up. There's no monthly fee. Anytime you need a worker, you just submit a worker request inside your account. It takes a minute. And within hours, sometimes even minutes, we'll introduce you to someone from our network, handpicked, already vetted. And all you have to do is talk to them, make sure you like them, click the hire button and you're good to go. So if you need a graphic designer, you don't have to wait a week. You can start an hour. If you need uh, an Amazon expert that has five, 10 years experience um, on listing products and running PPC and all that stuff, you can have them ready to go. So that's really the concept we created. Um, and then on the back end of that, we have that hands-on um, experience that Upwork and the other marketplaces don't have. And we're insurance against turnover. Our workers rarely quit, but if they do, we cover all retraining, all replacement costs and get you a new worker right away so that you never take a step backwards in your business for HR reasons. Nice. Nice. So these people are pre-vetted, you're bringing the top 1%, you're doing a lot of the, the work for someone. Now, are, are you looking at mainly connecting companies with freelancers or are you also helping them maybe make a full-time hire of someone? Yeah, we have plenty of clients that hire our workers full time. I mean, we have we, for example, we do a lot with customer service and we have big e-commerce companies that will hire six full time customer service people. And they've had the same worker for over two years. And I mean, you can hire a worker 20 hours a week, five hours a week. Um, we have no minimums. Our workers are first come first serve. You can use them for one time projects. Um, and we never take your worker away from you. They're really yours and they work directly with you. So um, it really does address no matter where you are in your business and what kind of hiring you're trying to do. Interesting. Let's talk about company culture for just a bit. One of my 
favorite e-commerce books is Delivering Happiness by Tony Shea, founder of, of Zappos. And one thing he talks about uh, has always stuck with me. He talks about, you know, really only two things you have as a company, your culture and your brand. And uh, this, this old consultant that I met years and years ago when I first started my business, he, he talked about the concept of you have your outside perception and your inside reality, right? So your outside perception, that's kind of your brand. That's what people think of when they hear your name, when they see you, like, you know, these are things that come to mind. And then inside reality, you know, that, that's who you really are and how your people respond and, and how they take responsibility or don't take responsibility, how they, how they just, how they come to work. And, and so we've also had, you know, the ups and downs of, I know for me, I'm very passionate, you know, talking about our culture and we've got, you know, these three culture statements and several cultural things we talk about and, and, and even grade our people on and stuff. But uh, that realization of, Hey, you can say what your culture is. You can say, Hey, we're all about constant improvement. We're all about, you know, having fun solving problems and we're, we're, you know, always learning and things like that. Um, but if it's not reinforced and reminded and, and almost you know, grilled into people, you know, they forget. But uh, what, are, what are some tips you have for how do you uh, keep and protect and, you know, convey your culture through a, a team of, of remote workers? Awesome. So I, I, we have an awesome company culture, both at our, at our Amazon business and at FreeUp, and it extends past my 20 person internal team, really the whole 500 plus freelancers, they all buy in. Um, and I give Connor all the credit in the world for that. Cause he was the one that first stressed to me how important that was. And it, a lot of it starts at the beginning, adding the right people. I mean, if you're, if your company culture is different than mine, then we should be looking for two different types of people. So we make sure that we're only adding people to our team that are going to have that positive attitude that are going to really mesh with the other workers around them, even if they're not doing projects with them. So we have these great group chats of Amazon experts and eBay experts and really the whole community. And everyone is in it for one purpose to grow free up and to help the team and to be a team player. And a lot of it starts on the hiring side, but it also starts from the top down. We have Monday morning meetings where, like you mentioned, we talk about how we did the week before, what are our goals for the week? What projects are we working on? What's everyone doing? We give recognition to people who are doing a good job so that's from me and Connor to our internal team. And then from there, that trickles down to the rest of the team when they're giving updates in the group chat and sending out newsletters and, and giving out jobs to clients and um, reminding them and having new worker orientation. And it all, it all follows that exact same principles, the exact same standards. And it's very unified from the time that you interview for the first time to when you get in to when we have meetings and it trickles from the top down. Yeah, that's great. And, and, you know, one of the things we do with our remote team members, we have, we have employees, full-time employees that are, that are remote just because, you know, we're in the Midwest and, and sometimes finding people that are highly skilled with a lot of experience, it's hard to find them locally, but we do a Monday meeting as well, which some people hate Monday morning meetings. I love Mondays. Uh, I just, Same. I love the, uh, the fresh start and, and getting going and it's like this week of opportunity in front of you. And, and it, it also potentially could be a little bit influenced by the fact that I, I do have eight children, uh, love them all dearly. Uh, but weekends are, are, are rarely relaxing for me. So maybe that, maybe that motivates my Monday as well, but I think I, I would love it regardless. Um, but you know, we, we get our remote employees involved in the, in the mon uh, Monday meeting as, as we're doing other team meetings, we get everyone involved. We do video conferencing, you know, we really make people feel a part. I think there's, there's a, a tendency to maybe forget your remote people as you're, as you're, as you're tackling the day to day or doing team driven stuff. And, and it's critical that you don't. Uh, we also try to involve some of our, our longtime team members in, in, in the interview process. 
uh, when it makes sense, because I love what you said a minute ago, uh, you know, finding that someone is going to be a culture fit, that someone is going to fit in and be a part of the team. We, we have, you know, include our team in, in part of the interview process, which I think uh, can be helpful as well. Um, uh, hiring mistakes. What, what, what are some things you see mistakes you see e-commerce companies making right now in terms of team building? Yeah. So we mentioned diversifying a common mistake I see all the time is someone will hire one person who's a little bit of a superstar and they'll teach them to do customer service. And this is my inventory process. And this is how we run campaigns. This is how we do listings. And you do this in the morning and this in the afternoon and this at night. And then six months later, that worker gets a better paying job and leaves. And how do you even start to replace that? Whereas the better strategy that I try to preach um, is that you hire one person for listing, one person for customer care. You create training docs for each one. And yes, if a person you really like leaves, it, it sucks, but it's not the end of the world. You can replace them within a week instead of months. So um, that's definitely the first step um, in hiring properly. The, the other mistake that I see people make is they go for the cheap the cheap version, right? Everyone wants to get those one to $2 an hour workers. Um, and it ends up being a lot more expensive either with the communication or the skill set, or jeopardizing your account. For me, if someone's good at what they do and they're going to have that attitude and that quality, I want to pay them fairly and make sure they're going to stick around because even if I lowball them, let's say that they want 10 bucks an hour. And I'm like, Hey, you know what? The position's only eight, take it or leave it. And they accept it because they need a job at that time. The second they get a higher paying job offer, they are out the They're door out. and all that training I put in is gone. So I'd rather just pay them the 10 make sure they're a good fit for my company and keep them happy long-term. Yeah. Understanding the real costs with employees, it's not necessarily the, the salary and, and, and negotiating over, you know, 10, 10% difference or 15% difference. But yeah, that extreme cost in, in training and time and, you know, shifted attention that you have to take when you're, when you're bringing, when you're onboarding a new employee, yeah, much better to, to pay them in a way that, that they, that they stick. And, uh, I, I fully uh, agree with that. Um, great. Any, any, um, interviewing mistakes that you see people making and any, any tips there on, on the, the interview process that could be better? Sure. So the interview process is really for you looking for red flags. You mentioned this before that people get trained how to interview. They're either social or they, I, I even took a college course on how to do interviews, which yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that I'm good at doing the job. It just means I can trick people in interviews and tell them what they want to hear. So your entire interview process should be looking for red flags. What kind of outside commitments do they have? Why did they leave their past companies? What kind of things are going to pop up along the way? What kind of communication issues um, do you have during that interview process that are really just a reflection of how that person works? So your questions that you ask them should be designed with a purpose to trick and to pull out the red flags rather than to just get back those standard interview questions. Any, any favorite questions you have? Because I think I think what you just said, and, and maybe trick isn't the best word. I, I, I think it's fine. Um, what are the, any favorite questions you have to maybe get someone to put away the canned answer that they have memorized and, and give you something real and something fresh and something that's going to be uh, an indicator of what they're going to be like as an employee? Yeah. So before we even get into the testing of their skills, we'll ask them, hey, okay, you claim that you're good at Facebook ads and Amazon PPC, rank them one to 10. What are you? And if, you, if this person comes in and they have three months of experience and they're like, hey, I'm a 10, or if they get to the test and it doesn't show that, um, that tells a little something about who they are and how honest they're going to be to you and, in my case, my clients. So yes. I'm, I'm looking for honesty. I'm looking for people that can actually display the correct level of skills that they have. And then, you know what? If they're a five and their rate is 
for a five, there are plenty of people looking for a five level worker. Um, I have tons of clients like that, but you just can't be a five and tell me you're a 10. That's great. That's great. Yeah. And, and then you're combining feedback with what you're seeing on the test and, and matching that up to say, okay, are they really shooting straight with me or, or what, or what are they, what are they actually doing? Great. Any other, any other favorite questions or, or any resources you would point someone to for, for better interviewing? Yeah. I mean, the thing is I have an awesome HR team. They spend 12 hours a day going through applicants, vetting them. Um, and the cool thing about us is even if we don't have um, the person available, which 99% of the time we do, or it's a specific software that we can't possibly recruit for every software in the world or a specific job that's only for your business, we'll actually recruit free of charge for your clients. So all these, all these years of interview questions that we have are four step process that takes a very long time. We'll do it for you and recruit for you free of charge. And you have no obligation to hire the workers that we get at the end. We're happy to just add them to our network and give them to other clients if you don't want them. So if you are feeling kind of iffy on the interview process, or you've had bad hiring experiences before, you can try out the free up network and you can have us recruit for you. Nice. Nice. Um, let's do this. I, I have one Amazon question left that I just, that I, that I forgot to ask earlier. And then I want to talk about how people can kind of maybe take the next steps with, with free up or check that out more, but any, any favorite tools or resources that you could recommend that I know anytime we talk about tools, we run the risk of those becoming outdated or fading, but, but any, any tools you'd recommend to Amazon sellers or people looking at, um, selling products on Amazon? Um, yeah, I mean, my clients use everything in the world. My personal favorite is AppEagle. Um, I've been using them for years. I, they don't give me anything. I just really like their pricing software and it's helped me get a lot of buybacks buy box. And I know there's, um, a lot of other pricing softwares out there. Um, but I've just personally had a good experience with them. AppEagle. Nice. All right, cool. And we'll link to that in the, in the show notes. So, um, so if someone's listening and they're saying, okay, yeah, we need a team, we're having a hard time finding someone locally, or maybe, you know, Nathan, we want to take you up on that and just say, Hey, you, you guys know how to recruit and vet and interview and all that. So we want you to do that for us. Where can people learn more about free up and, and what are the, the next steps you'd recommend for them? Yeah. If you go right to freeup.com, you can schedule a meeting with me. I'd love to talk to you about your business. Um, you can sign up and mention Brett's name and he'll get a link to throw in the show notes. If you use that, you get a dollar off your first worker forever. Um, it's free to sign up. There's no monthly fee. There's no obligation or commitment. Um, you just get access to the top 1% of remote workers. Um, if you want to check out other content on hiring, you can check out the online hiring mastermind group, the free up blog. Um, and you can also check out my book, free up your business, uh, 50 secrets for bootstrapping multi-million dollar companies. And, and I know this has likely been uh, very, very obvious as people have been listening in, but the beauty of this network and why it has an edge over something like Upwork is, you know, you guys are focused on e-commerce, you know, e-commerce. And so you built the network all around that and vetting people that also know e-commerce and know how to help, whether it's Amazon or design or, or other areas. And so uh, just phenomenal stuff. Any, any parting remarks, Nathan, any, any final tips or nuggets that you would leave with the audience as we wrap up? Yeah. I mean, depending on where you are in your business, if you've never hired before or you've hired before and had bad experiences, or you're just so busy that you, you don't have the time to hire, you, you have to commit yourself to hiring. You're going to be limited at some point. You're going to hit that ceiling where you just can't go further um, with without hiring. And whether you're trying to build a lifestyle business where you have more time for your friends and family, or whether you're trying to become the next Google and Apple of the world, hiring is the way to make that happen. And making smart hires is the key. 
100% agree. And it's actually, it, it can be, it can be a nightmare, but it can also be really fun to build a team. I remember when we first, my business partner, Chris and I first shifted and thought, okay, rather than just having a couple people on our team, like we need to build a team of, of skilled employees. And, and so, you know, making that initial shift was, was tricky. Um, but it does free you up and you can do so much more and you really become a business when you have a team. Right. But one of the other things I'll mention is when you get the right employee, it is amazing, right? You get someone who, who thinks proactively and maybe they've got a little bit of experience and they're, they're owning this one piece of the process or this one area of the business. Um, it is, it is totally liberating. They should bring things to the table that you never would have thought of or never had the time to do. And it can, it can change your business. And, and, and I also want to, I want to mention something you, you brought up before that I think is worth underscoring is, uh, that you have a tendency and we, we used to do this all the time where you find that one employee who's really good. And then you just think, geez, just load them up. Let's have them do everything. Let's have them do customer service and marketing and fulfillment and, you know, you know all of it. And we had, we had an employee, uh, longtime employee. She's still with us, uh, been with us almost from the beginning, but she said, you know, guys, it's almost like you're a kid that finds a toy that you really like to play with and you play with it until you break it. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, yeah, it's probably true. So building out that process and sounds like you guys can definitely help with that too, where you're saying, okay, we need someone to own this piece, this process. So let's find the perfect person. Let's get them in place. Let's give them what they need to succeed. And and then, and then let's go from there. Absolutely. And you, you also lose all your leverage too, right? The, yeah. you know, when you give them, when, once they have access to the keys to everything and they're irreplaceable, I mean, you have to give them everything they want and they can walk out the door and take everything with them. So you kind of lose all the power that you have as the employer. Yep. Yep. And, and, and it just doesn't, doesn't create any stability or diversification. It's basically like creating another you, you know, which that, that's not, that's typically not what you need. So, um, very good, man. Well, any, any other ways you'd recommend people connect with you? Any, any, uh, social ways to connect or, or anything else? Yeah, I'm very easy to contact LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. You can add me on Skype. I'm on Skype all the time. I have assistants that monitor my emails and Skype accounts while I sleep. So you're going to get a fast response. Um, we're really there to help you, um, to personally hands-on, um, help you make good hiring decisions. Awesome. Awesome. Nathan Hirsch, everybody. Nathan, man, thank you for joining us. It's been a ton of fun. Lots of good Amazon stuff. Uh, love the team building, hiring conversations. So critical, so critical for, for growing companies. And so do check up, check out free up and check out Nathan, connect with him. Uh, Nathan, appreciate the time, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And so as always, uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. We'd love to have a review on iTunes. That does help other people find and discover this show. If you have ideas for topics, uh, whether that be an interview or a deep dive on a topic, please let me know. And until next time, thank you for tuning in. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap plus many more. Or 
hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.